lesser masculine men are the problem in toxic masculinity. But any man that is interested in being a masculine man needs to have other men around him. Honor women better, honor children better, and provide better. Building tribes, empowering tribes. Understanding that, you know, how magnificent women are was one of the biggest breakthroughs of my life. And one out of every four men have no friends. Being in relationship with women is one thing. Having all your friends be women is dangerous. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to another episode of the Sovereign Man Podcast, where we make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou, and today I've got a very special guest here. Today's guest is a man who's been doing the work of men, like delving deeply in, into what it is to be a strong masculine man for nearly 30 years. He's got his own practice where, among other folks, he coaches men on being the best version of themselves in life, in business, in relationship. And I've had the privilege of doing this work with this man for well over a decade. Welcome to the show, Steve Richmond. Hello, Richmond. Thank you, Mr. Blue. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here. Likewise, likewise, my friend. So one of the things that um, I'm very excited to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about fatherhood. And I want to also talk to you about the stages of manhood, because I think the two of those topics go together very, very well. But before we get into that, why don't you tell everybody your backstory, your journey as a man, and what's brought you to where you are here today and kind of qualifies you to be able to be spouting off and giving your advice to other men? Ah, well, aside from having done just about everything wrong in my first marriage, um, I got married too young. <laughs> Probably didn't marry the right woman. Uh, we weren't as compatible as we thought when we were in love, so to speak. Um, and uh, I was way too emotional. Uh, I, I wasn't the man I needed to be. And she got fed up with that after about 20 years. <clears throat> and uh, we parted company. And around that time is when I started doing men's work and realized that uh, who I was as a man wasn't really going to be A, a good example for my children, or B, get me much success. <clears throat> And I'm not speaking financial success. I mean, just as a man in general. Um, so I started doing the men's work in 1994. And it's pretty much became a 180 degree shift from where I was headed. And I'm much more at peace with who I am as a man now. Um, sure, there's still issues with my kids, I'm guessing. Uh, just because I wasn't there to raise them every day. Uh, I did the best I could under the circumstances, though, and was a father. I was not a friend, and 
you know, we, we have a good relationship now, but I'm sure there's battle scars from being raised in two separate homes and, uh, quite happy with my relationship, the way I show up with the men these days, I have this coaching business. Now I'm also a uh, instructor in the men's organization I belong to. So yeah, it's, uh, it's all been good. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I know your story very well because you and I know each other very well. And one of the things that I really believe you personify better than pretty much any other man I've ever met is you personify the sense of quiet masculine confidence. Now you're a sarcastic fuck and you 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 make statements <laughs> that sometimes drive me and the other people about? around you <laughs> up the wall. But you know your shit. <clears throat> That's why I'm excited to have you here. Why don't we start off by really having a deep dive discussion about what it is to be a man? What are the stages of manhood? Okay. Um, yeah, and, and I'll try not to get too deep into this because if we get, there's that fine line. It's, I can explain the four stages, but without a long conversation, we really can't get into they're all about but the bottom line and we, we got a good long time so get into it deeply yeah, brother. we got we only got about an hour <laughs> um, you think this is going to be a joe rogan so, four-hour show bro no. <laughs> <laughs> so and and any man listening or watching this can can see this like when you're when you're a young boy your your father is hopefully usually your hero you know, this is obviously a generalization for kids who grew up in abusive relationships and stuff like that. It's it's sadly unfortunate that that happens. The general rule, though, is you have that that era in life where your dad is your hero. He can do no wrong. My dad's better than your dad, all that kind of stuff. And then around your teenage years, when you start to think, you know, you know, the answers to life. Uh, you kind of give, start giving your dad the F you and you don't value his input as much and you're, you're rebelling to become your own man. Now, sadly, in some men, that F you stage can last uh, until they're 75 or 80 years old because they never get past it. Uh, ideally, as you grow in life um, and you start to become successful, you kind of Begin the adult relationship with your father, if you will, and the the last phase being that as you get into your hopefully into your sixties or seventies, depending on your father's age, uh, you're helping prepare him to go to his maker and uh, have you know those those conversations that uh, you may have never had. I know a couple of years ago my father passed and. He talked about stuff with me in the last year of his life that I had never heard about in my life. And it was just, it, that was the, the blessing of being around him for that and just preparing him. And, you know, and sometimes it's a little humbling for him because, you know, that, that whole joke of, you know, I'm taking him to the bathroom now where he took me to the bathroom 50 <laughs> odd years ago or 60 odd years ago. Yeah. But yeah. You know, the ideal, but what, what tends to happen a lot, especially with all the single 
parents out there these days is that that FU stage lingers and it, it, it goes too long and men have a big chip on their shoulder and they allow that to prevent their own success in life. And that really sucks. And they don't see it. Nine times out of 10, they're walking around with a, you know, this little FU dad on your, on their left shoulder and wondering why the hell they can't get ahead. Cause it's blaming him for everything in life rather than taking responsibility. So. There's a lot of truth to what you're saying. My father passed away in on February 23rd, 2020. And one of the things I'm so grateful for is I had a chance to talk to him well before that a number of times and tell him that I was proud to be his son and that he did his job well with me and he set me up to win in life. And, you know, dad had had a couple of strokes. He wasn't always all there when we were talking to him. There were times it was heartbreaking for me to see him that way every single time. Um, I should have spent more time with him. Honestly, to my eternal regret, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have it in me to be there for too, too long at a time. Cause it was just, it broke me up inside to see him that way. It just made me feel uh, this big. Mm-hmm. But one of the conversations we had with each other was when I told him, dad, I'm proud to be your son. You prepared me for life. You, showed me how to be uh, a loyal person. You showed me how to be a good friend. You gave me some lessons on um, how to make sure that I don't go bankrupt. You showed me what a man meant. You taught me in a way that few other men of your generation did for their kids, what being a good, honorable, masculine man was. And, you know, I started to get emotional. I started to cry. I said, Thank you. I owe you for this. And he started to get emotional and he started to cry. And I had this conversation with him more than once because I wanted to make sure that he heard it from me more than once. And I'll tell you, for me, it was a wonderful thing to have that conversation. Now, did I have everything right with my dad? No. There's, is there regret? Yeah. Like I said, I, I wish that I had it in me to spend more time with him when he was, when he was here and he was in that space. So I know that he wanted he he wanted that, but yeah. the pain it caused me was absolutely horrific, and I couldn't do it. I did my best. I even did beyond what I thought my best was. I wish I did more. And you know, my stages of manhood after my father passed, I felt like I was more of a man than I was while he was still alive. I felt I took certain things on that when he uh-huh. was alive I wouldn't have taken on. You know, as a small example, you know, in, in the men's work that you and I do, we get together with men and we go away on overnights. And I've gone on some overnights that involved, you know, camping trips where you put your tent up. And I've got a pretty big tent. You know, you could stand in it. It's a bit of a tent mansion. And first few times, I, I asked for help, you know, because I didn't know what I was doing. Very last time I was there, I didn't ask for help. I put that tent up pretty much by myself. Some some men came and helped me at the end with a, a couple of things, but I figured it out by myself. I feel like there's more of the man skills tasks that I, I'm taking on and doing now. Even if I don't know how to do them, I, I step in with confidence because that's how my dad was. 
And I think Got that's it. important. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. I am, I, I am very blessed. He taught, taught me a ton. Um, almost, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, since we're on that topic, it, it, I was trained to do everything alone that, uh, I needed to know how to do plumbing and carpentry and, and all these things. And I'm very, very grateful that my father taught me all those things, canoeing, camping, how to set up, start fires, all that stuff. However, what was missing was doing it with other men mm. and asking for help. And that was the thing that I really got after starting doing the men's work was that I'm much better when I've got men around me. Even, even if I know more about what I'm doing, just having those men around me and having those bonding experiences Get our get our laundry aired uh, about what's going on in life, which I had never done. I pushed it all down, and unfortunately, in my marriage, as I'm sure my first wife will attest, uh, my only wife, um, it came out, and it didn't come out nice. And uh, that that was perhaps the biggest change in me is knowing when and where to let my emotions out. And I'm forever grateful for that. So talk about why it's so important for men to have other men around them to help them grow and mature as men. Why can't you do it alone? Well, uh, you can't do it alone because, number one, uh, emotionally, you got nowhere to you, you got nowhere to, to vent. And women are highly emotional beings and they, they know how to get their emotions out. It's our job to learn to listen and not fix their problems, but that's a whole other topic. But with men, you know, and especially, you know, it, it's getting better. It's almost gone too far the other way now where men are told to, you know, share their emotions with their women. And I don't think that's good either. But in my age, it was that, you know, don't cry, man up. Don't be a pussy, you know, just suck it up. And any emotion that you had was just kind of pushed down, pushed down, pushed down. And eventually that's, you know, that's got to come back. You, you can't just push them down without uh, causing damage long term. And, uh, you know, I would, uh, I would do that and then, you know, have a few beer or something and uh, that, that's when it gets dangerous. You have a couple of beer and those emotions start spewing back out. And that's not healthy to do around women. Uh, you know, the one thing I've learned in the last 27 years is one word with the wrong inflection can take my lady out for the day. I don't even realize I've done it sometimes until I see the tears in her eyes. But, you know, they're, they're wonderful, amazing beings. and we're like, uh, you know, bulls in China shops with, with emotions. We'll just, we'll just bust everything up if we're not careful. Yeah. I've done that too so many times to count. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you talked a little bit about regrets earlier and I mean, that, that's the one thing I regret from my marriage is the times that I lost my shit with my wife. Uh, it just, I didn't know any better. And, uh, you know, that, that was the sad truth. Um, 
as far as being around men, uh, and it's interesting you would ask that question because I just spent 12 hours, well, 14 with the drive and everything with my man on Saturday, uh, the whole tribe of, you know, 20 odd men. And, uh, just that energy of being able to be my stupid motherfucking self and tossing shit at each other, you know, comment wise and just, just letting loose and not worrying about, you know, how I look in front of people, whether I'm going to upset somebody, just having that freedom, just, it was exhausting. It was fun, but I was recharged on Sunday because I got that space where I could just be me for, you know, and sometimes it's only for three hours at a, at a team meeting or something, but for a whole 12 hours. And I was in fucking pain. My hip was killing me all day, but I was having a blast. And it helped with the pain. And, uh, you know, I felt a whole lot better the next day because I got that energy out with my men. And without even talking about anything that was going wrong in my life, just having that space to be myself and get it all out, it just kind of cleansed, you know, cleansed the colon of my emotions, if you will. It's awesome. You know, Bill O'Reilly. Uh, who was a top-rated cable news host for decades and now has his own podcast, cited a study which just blew me away. He said in the 80s, the average man in the United States had three close friends. Today, he has one. Mm -hmm. One. And one out of every four men have no friends. Like, you think about yeah. that. That's... That's awful. I mean, the very idea that makes my skin crawl. You got to have friends. You got to have men you can hang out with, you can talk to, you can count on. You know, before you and I had this uh, interview, I led a Zoom call and I, I wasn't even the expert on the call. There was another man on there. He was an expert in cryptocurrency and a bunch of men are interested in it. And I said, well, you, you men want to do a call every couple of weeks with this? And they said, well, we'd actually like to do it every week. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And men want to spend more time. It's great. Oh, so yeah. it, it's a beautiful thing when men have other men that are their men that they can count on, that they can rely on, that they can bring their real uh, issues to and, and not have mm -hmm. to sugarcoat it and that they can receive masculine criticism from, you yeah. know. What are your thoughts around that whole issue of masculine criticism? How important it is for a man to be able to receive that without getting all emotional and upset about it? Well, I got there's two schools of thought on that. One of them is I think men, men need to do this with men as well as with women. They need to shut the fuck up and listen because men given a space to just talk will get most of their crap out. They know it's a safe space. They're not going to be judged. They're not going to be criticized just to, to spew their shit, whatever's going on in their life. They're worried about being audited. Their company's not doing well, whatever the fuck it is. That alone can relieve a lot of the stress and pressure. Men have to be careful when they're criticizing masculine. Like 
if I tell Nikki Blue that I want to have a book written by a week Wednesday, uh, number one, he might want to tell me that's fucking ridiculous. It's not enough time. But the other thing is, if it is enough That's how time, long a book it is. If it's five pages, sure, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But if I if it's say five that, hundred, I you might need life, a couple more days. <laughs> exactly. I, I might need a week. Um, but if, but if that's what I say I want in my life, and he holds me to that and kicks my ass when I'm not doing it, then that kind of masculine criticism is fine. Like you said, this is what you wanted. What the fuck is going on that you're not pushing yourself? You're not going after it. That is okay. Unfortunately, men get into advice giving and uh, that kind of what they think is masculine relationship. And that's a danger zone because unless you've experienced it personally, you could fuck a man up royally by giving, giving him advice. And, you know, you should read this book or you should you know, book whatever. Uh, book is maybe not the best example, but this is how you should do it. You know, and uh, two things happen there. You should go one, tell your wife to go to hell because she was angry with you last night. Oh, yeah, night. that'll work. Yeah, that's a that'll good one. Exactly. Don't ever apologize. I took that advice once too, when I was married. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah my advice to Only my wife. directly apologize. to the breakup of my marriage, not apologizing in that situation. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my advice to men is learn to apologize often and quickly because we screw up often and quickly. But... Uh, yeah, uh, the, you know, the masculine relationship is great on holding men accountable, you know, helping helping hold a man. No man can hold a man accountable. You have to do it for yourself. But beware the advice giving, uh, because that that is definitely a danger zone. And I see, we're, you know, some of these programs that are out there that, uh, well, even our own, you got to be careful of it uh, with with the men's work we do is men start giving advice on how you should be. And that that's very, very dangerous. No, this is true. And I appreciate you bringing this up, but my question was very different. It was, what are your thoughts on men who are on the receiving end of masculine criticism and assuming it's warranted, it's criticism that they need to be on the receiving end of. And well, what are your thoughts on them taking that rather than becoming all emotional and going into this bit of a hissy fit mode rather than actually <clears throat> interacting with the criticism and using it for their benefit? Yeah. Well, if a man's getting emotional and as you say, having a hissy fit, those men don't have a masculine relationship because there's the, the trust is not there. The respect is not there. The, the main ingredients, uh, you know, the loyalty, knowing that that man has your back and that's why he's having the conversation with you. If you're getting all emotional and taking it personally, then you don't believe the man has your back. So you don't really have a masculine relationship with him. What if you're just the kind of man who can't, him. who can't, who doesn't trust anybody and can't take any kind of criticism and he gets all defensive. Well, then what he if he's a feminized man in that respect? You know what I mean? Yeah, I better uh, go. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because listen, I, I love my lady dearly, but you know, I think I'm smart enough now to have learned not to criticize her. <laughs> right? It's just there's no there's no feminine criticism here. It's just a bad idea, right? 
But yeah, I know. Just, just I can call take me. a look I'll come at and you. Kick you in the gonads and get it over. Right. I can take a look at you, and you know, as an example, and say to you, like, so Richmond, you know what? Like you say, you want to live till you're 90, and you're you're still smoking. What the hell's up with that? Man who wants to live till he's yeah. 90 ain't dumb enough to smoke. Now, you can either say, fuck you, go to hell, right? Who are you to tell me what well, I should do or shouldn't do? <laughs> or you can go, maybe he's right. <laughs> I mean, and there's there's a lot of men that I, I don't go around giving men that kind of criticism unless I know that they're right. in a type of relationship with me where it's called for. If it's a man that I know slightly, I'm not going to do it. But if it's a man who's a member of one of my groups and he's paying me to, to support him and being successful and he's fucking up, then I'm going to do it, right? Um, right. And if he's part of my men's team, I'm definitely going to do it, right? Like if he's, if he, like you said at the beginning, is he said he wants to write a book and he said, I want to do it in a week and it's 500 pages he wants to write in a week, you're, you're going to say, what are you, nuts? Like get your head screwed on straight, right? Let's, let's, let's talk about what you can realistically do. Even if it's unrealistic, you know, at least it's in the realm of possibility. It's not in the realm of fantasy, right? You want to be able to give that kind of criticism to a man. And I'm just, I wanted to know your thoughts on how a man ought to be in terms of taking in that sort of criticism. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how a man ought to be and how any man is uh, things I get depends, it. On, depends on his upbringing. I mean, you in criticizing that man may hit a, hit a soft spot in him that uh, nobody's uncovered since he was seven years old. If a man's getting emotional when, you know, if you're in, inspecting a man on something he says he wants to do and he starts to get emotional, there's, there's a barrier there that it's deeper than the masculine relationship that that's when the listening really has to occur because mm. he's taking it personal because of something, you he's know, we're not experts necessarily in, in figuring out what it is, but that's where we need to listen because the man by getting emotional is actually nine times out of 10, when a man is asking for help, he's not asking for, and you and I have seen it. A man is in his head. He's not returning phone calls. He's not showing up for team meetings. That's his way of asking for help. Because he doesn't know how to deal with shit. And that's the clue. And that's where, you know, in a masculine relationship, I've showed up at a man's house, banged on his door. What the fuck's going on, bro? Well, you know, I don't want to talk to men. I Exactly. Because you got shit going sideways and you don't know how to deal with it. First, first way that men ask for help is they disappear. First way men ask for help is he disappears. I, I never heard that before. That's pretty good. Actually. He goes to his cave. First way a man asks for help is he disappears. That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty profound stuff. Mr. Richmond. Yeah, well, and unfortunately, society's made it almost popular. It's like, oh, I'm going to my man cave. The man cave, per se, is a place where men are seeking solace. It's not an entertainment room. You know, that's where they're trying to get the fuck away from everybody. That's one of the things I love about canoeing, is it that's where I can just take in the world and enjoy life and really process some deep thoughts. 
And I get to see my kids most times on my canoe trips too. So, but yeah, I, I mean, if a man's getting emotional, there's more than that issue at, at heart. If he's, he's obviously taking something personal or, you know, because we're not experts. If you're grilling a man on something, um, you know, if I'm doing it and I'm not doing it with love and care, I could be coming from a place of ego myself and rubbing him the wrong fucking way. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's why I always advise the best way to have a masculine relationship is listen to what the man's saying. And then, you know, listen to understand first, then ask the questions. There's a bit of Stephen Covey in what you just shared with us there. Listen oh, to yeah. understand first. I mean, one of his seven habits was seek first to understand, then to be understood. And I, it's and, not and just I, the men's weekend that I did to get here. I've read a lot um, of books. Stephen Covey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's actually very good. Listen to understand first, then yeah. ask questions. Because if you don't understand and you go in with a preconceived notion, you may do that man and yourself damage. You can certainly do damage to the relationship that you have with that man. That's brilliant stuff. Absolutely brilliant. So talk to me a bit about why, in your opinion, it's currency among men to be a man of your word. Well, when it's all said and done, that's all we got. doesn't matter if you had $6 million, somebody's going to get that. It doesn't matter, you know, what you did with your life. You may leave a legacy, but the way, you know, if I'm looked at as a sleazy used car salesman by all the men who know me, my legacy is going to be shit because I didn't keep my word. I was, you know, cutting deals with them, cutting corners and lights, et cetera, et cetera. But if I'm a man who shows up and does what I say I'm going to do, that is going to be respected by other men because it's probably the hardest thing we do. You know, and with my clients, I talk a lot about the looking good integrity of keeping your word and the personal integrity of keeping your word. Now, if I tell you I'm going to have a book done on Friday and the only fucking reason I write the book is so that you're not up my ass about having it done, that's my looking good integrity. If I don't tell you I'm going to write a book and I do it by next Friday because it's something that drives me, that's my personal integrity. No. So, and so with looking good integrity versus personal there, integrity. I, I like that too. Those are two very powerful distinctions. Yeah, because we do it all the time. It's a, well, you know, I did this while I slapped it together. We had an example with a with an artifact. You know, I was concerned uh, uh, giving my best to putting, uh, putting steak, you know, marinating steaks and getting all the groceries and making a really cool chili for the lunch on Saturday. And there was an artifact thing that the context didn't get delivered down to me. It was just a fucking pain in my ass to get her done. But I didn't want to look bad showing up at the event Saturday without the motherfuckers. So we got it done. And, you know, even when we were doing it, it's like, 
I don't know about you two, man, but my context is just get this fucking thing done. As opposed to my focus was on the food, making sure that these men ate like kings. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's, that's an important context, making sure the men eat like kings. So I run a CEO group, um, and we did an overnight with the men in that group. There were me and four of the men in the group, and then uh, a couple of guests came to the overnight. And I wanted us to eat like kings, and I wasn't even in charge of food. I was in charge of the whole overnight. So I found a man who owns restaurants and I said, look, man, you take care of the food. <laughs> okay. So he owns restaurants. He's really good with food. And then I got another man to help him out. And this man used to own a grocery store. So that man who owned restaurants brought some incredible food, like just went and bought from places that he would buy from when he was getting food out there to his customers that are coming into his restaurants, the yeah. restaurant patrons. And the other man, he brought a charcoal barbecue, you know, one of those that's portable. You can take it with you. I mean, mm -hmm. it was still a stand-up one and it was, you know, waist high and all that. But the quality of the food has to be the finest I've ever experienced at a, at a men's overnight. <laughs> we should explain what a men's overnight is in a moment. But exactly. it was the finest quality we've ever had. He made kebabs on these metal uh, uh, metal stakes and put them mm -hmm. over the, the, the barbecue. He had Persian uh, bread and uh, mm. the kind that's called sangak, which is cooked in a tanur, which is an oven. Uh, and there are stones in the flour of the bread. And it's just, you, you bang it yep. up against the wall of the oven and you cook it in there. It is the best bread you've ever tasted in your freaking life. What we did is we took the sangak bread and we 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 grabbed one of these uh, steaks and we just grasp the meat and we pull it off and you'd have yourself a ready-made sandwich. And it was yep. delicious, man. Just delicious. He did that with that was chicken. One thing I truly loved about working in Kuwait was what you just described. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, right? It was really great. It was just spectacular, I'll tell you. And we we did this with chicken. Uh, marinated in uh, in in saffron, and we uh, uh, saffron. Sorry, in English, in, in Farsi, we call it saffron. We had uh, we had uh, kebab kubide, which is kind of the ground beef kebab, and we had salmon. It was delicious, and they made such <laughs> incredible salads to go with it. I'll tell you, I ate so much and so well. It was great. Just really, really great. My context, and I, I didn't even do it. I just set other men up to do it, but I knew I wanted great food. So I was going to set it up with men who I knew were going to kick butt and they did. <laughs> so. Well, exactly. But, and that's the thing though. It's, there's a difference, like, you know, dining with family at Thanksgiving and everything is phenomenal, but there is an energy to eating with men that you don't get anywhere else. And, you know, one of the men asked me, well, how come you pick T-bone steaks for the weekend? I said, because we got plastic cutlery. Men need to hold these things in their hand. And he's like, what? <laughs> I said, you don't you don't cut a steak up when you're sitting around with 20 men. You bite into it and rip it. And just that energy. And, you know, the fruit doesn't have to be really fancy even. Just 
there's there's just something there. Of course, being yeah. outside for twelve hours builds the appetite too. But that helps. That definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah, and so for the folks listening to this episode, an overnight is an event where men from a men's organization get together and go away overnight someplace. And they engage in a bunch of powerful activities, physical activities, fun activities. We do some some learning activities, but we also do some food preparation and eating activities. And we all eat like kings. And that's that's the beauty of an overnight. And that was a wonderful thing that we just experienced. One of the things I've been learning about uh, Mr. Richmond, as a result of participating in this work, is the importance of not doing it alone. Because I've been someone who's done everything by himself. I am now living in tribe, uh, winning in tribe. I read Seth Godin's book, Tribes, uh, on the recommendation of a man I really respect, Patrick France, who's been a guest on my other flagship podcast for my business, The Thought Leader Revolution. And Patrick told me that he grew Rain, the real estate investment. Now, do you know Rain? Do you know who they are? Yep. I mean, they are the largest real estate investment educational company bar none in North America, probably even the world. They put hundreds of thousands of people through their program. And I asked him, how did you build such a big organization? He said, I built tribes. I don't do it all myself. I have people help me. I have people bought into the vision. I'm like, oh my God, that's how. I don't have, you mean I don't have to do it all alone? So I just keep going everywhere. And I tell him, I've even been telling you, Richmond, I can't do this alone. I need help. I need your help. Come on my show. Come do this with me. I'm like, that's how it works. When you get people involved, good things happen. Good things happen. This men's organization that we've started, the Sovereign Man Movement, that's about making men masculine again. The power of this organization comes from the fact that there are many men involved and many hands make light work. We've been running these battle-ready initiation programs, which are eight-week programs where for two hours, we really give the men that are part of the initiation programs our very best energy and content and brotherhood and masculine power to elevate them so they can become the best, most masculine version of themselves. Now, I've usually filled these, as you know. This time I didn't. There's only one man in there that came from me. <laughs> I'd say two, two men in there that came from me out of eight. The rest came from others. It was so great. So great that I didn't do it all. And that's how Perfect. men become more successful. Like for me, I've learned about this, that building tribes, empowering tribes is how I win. And that's how come I'm winning bigger this year and making more money and all that good stuff. But any man that is interested in being a masculine man needs to have other men around him. And frankly, other men and women around him in his life. And he needs to empower them. He needs to elevate them to, to help him. Because if you don't, let people help you, how the heck are you going to be the best version of you? Nobody wins by themselves at anything. Exactly. And and you hit on a point, though, unfortunately. Uh, you know, and yeah, I'm getting old and I, I've watched the feminization of men creep in more and more and more in the last 30 years. And I was headed down that path, dude. Uh, like, I was going to raise my daughters as if they were just like boys and everything else. And I kind of did this 180 after 1994 and went, whoa, where the hell am I going? And, you know, 
one of the funny things about doing the men's work is how I became a lover of women because of it. You know, I've heard it called misogynist. I've heard all men's work called, you know, it's toxic yeah, masculinity. That's just, that's just some that's BS, some people bullshit. throwing you away because Under- they don't want men to be up. They want yeah. to put men down. They can go to hell. Understanding that, you know, how magnificent women are was one of the biggest breakthroughs of my life. I had treated my first wife like a man. She was supposed to have the same emotions and bullshit that I did. And no, guess what? I was wrong. Um, but these men who, you know, in, in, you know, bless their hearts, women have asked for men to share their feelings. But then when men start to share their feelings, women don't want to hear their feelings because it undermines their security about who he is as a man. And you see it all the time. And so women are trying to be career driven, family oriented, and you know, it's tearing them apart and you can see it more and more. Um, but getting these men to a place where they recognize that they're feminized and wanting to become masculine again can sometimes be very difficult because it, it's, they've been raised that way. And unfortunately there's too many goddamn single mothers out there. No offense to single mothers. There's too much divorce. And the male input isn't there in the man's upbringing or it's shit input, uh, depending on the man. Um, you know, and this is the biggest problem with men these days is we don't know who the fuck we are anymore. And it's, it's getting muddier and muddier. And we need to, we need to do two things. We need to give women, as my mentor says, their place at the table because they're taking it. And we need to get back to our men because being, being in relationship with women is one thing. Having all your friends be women is dangerous. If you're a man you're or a man. woman, I'll tell you that right now. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I do not stop you there. I do not profess to know anything about women and never will. And ironically, in my marriage, I thought I did. <laughs> Probably why you're not married. Probably why I'm not married. I, I understood women. Now, mm-hmm. I, now I know that I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. What women are really like but, how they really think. What makes them tick? I barely know yeah. how I tick. <laughs> and I'm pretty well, exactly. They know how we tick. We haven't got a goddamn clue how they tick. And uh, yeah, and. But that's the thing, man, you know, you were talking about the masculine, you know, masculine criticism of a man. If he's feminized and hasn't developed what is known as a masculine relationship in his life, that's what he thinks the masculine relationship looks like. So he's going to get emotional. Now, he can't handle masculine criticism. That's the problem. And he's going to be the kind of man who's going to always be angry at other men and and not trust other men yeah. and not be able to learn from and grow as a result of having other men be in his life and give him their best. Feminized men are yeah. dangerous well, to themselves and they're dangerous to the world, in my opinion. Well, exactly. Now, you know, you talk about male criticism. Criticism of any kind, I don't find that great. Supporting a man to, to get through his shit Definitely. But, the, you know, what, what is, you know, what is your context of criticism? Not, 
that to me, I mean, and there again, before I, the reason that barrier kind of came up for me was if a man is with men in getting emotional, that's where he needs to. There's nowhere else other than with my men that I'm really in a safe place to get emotional. Now, I've got a couple of men. I can go for a walk and scream my ass off on the phone or something to men. But really, if you're standing in a men's circle and a man's being emotional, where in the fuck else in the world is he supposed to do that? Nowhere. I don't mind a man being emotional. I think a man's got to be able to hear what's being brought to him. And if he can't do that without getting all upset that another man is telling him he's not doing something perfectly in his life. And you know what? That's a hard man for you to make a difference for. That's a man that, in my opinion, uh, is going to be difficult to count on. Because if you can't count on him to hear what he needs to hear to become better, then what else can you count, not count on him for? show up when you well, need them if, if the if the emotional continues and continues and continues i would agree but if it's over the first few times that may be the barrier that he needs to get through to be able to keep his word yeah, there's there, there's that i mean we've all been emotional i've been emotional there have been times where i don't take criticism i haven't taken criticism from you i've gotten emotional but right now i wasn't gonna, gonna bring that up but since you have- <laughs> there you go <laughs> but right now i'm in a space where you know, I may not agree with your criticism. I may not do anything with it, but I'm going to hear you out. And yeah, it's, it's just because look, I know that as a man, I'm far from perfect. I make a lot of mistakes. The things I, I thought I'd handled, which I hadn't, <laughs> you know, I've regressed into uh, inappropriate thought patterns and inappropriate behaviors. And I'm sure I'll do it again. But at the end of the day, one of the reasons I do this work and I have conversations with men like you and I, and I stand in a circle is because I want to be better. And the only way I'm going to be better is if I reveal myself to my men, let them see my pain, my insecurity, my wounds, my warts, and let them give me what they need to give me so I can be stronger when I go out there into the world to do battle and I can win. I can win for myself. I can win for the my family, my woman, my children, my ex-wife, and for the movement I'm creating with Sovereign Man. Because listen, here in Sovereign Man, we believe that men and masculinity are under assault in the world. And there's a lot of men that just haven't got a clue what it is to be a good, honorable, masculine man. And we we want to be a beacon to attract those men have them be proud of being a man again, have them be proud of being masculine again, understand what it is to be masculine again, and to grow the movement so that we are able to transform the world. And I'm not going to be able to do that by myself. It's a good friend of mine, Ryan Mickler. He's uh, the man who created the Order of Man movement and the Order of Man podcast. He talks about reclaiming and restoring masculinity. Brilliant phrase. 10,000 Ryan Micklers would barely make a dent in the global problem we have with masculinity right now. So one sure as heck isn't enough. One Nikki Baloo exactly. is not, not anywhere near enough. But I do know that as long as I do what I do and I bring men like you on the podcast and I keep running events like the Battle Ready programs, 
we're going to be able to grow inch by inch. And then we got our swag. We got this beautiful swag, like my hat, t-shirts, which by the way, are available for sale on the sovereignman.ca website. And this is how we spread the word. This is how we get the, the message out in a big and powerful way. The, the the key to all this, and you know, I, I know there's the whole wave of toxic masculinity, and it. I'm hoping it's run its course. However, there's still too many assholes out there that are that are being weak men, and weak, unmasked, lesser masculine men are the problem in toxic masculinity. It's not strong masculine men that are the issue. It is the weak ones. And that is the true definition of toxic masculinity. Because exactly. actually it's not talk. It's not, there's nothing masculine about it. That's the two true definition of toxic maleness. Cause I want to, there yeah. is no such thing as toxic masculinity. It's an oxymoron. Masculinity is an unadulterated positive good in yeah. the world, but maleness, there's a lot of toxic maleness out there. A ton. Oh, huge, huge. I mean, uh, you know, Honor, honoring women for who they are and celebrating the differences between us that, you know, I, I know it rubs some feminists the wrong way, but it's the simple truth. You know, we're different. And the more they try to be, why they keep trying to lower the bar to be equal to us. I have no fucking idea because women are so superior everywhere else that I get the whole movement started about paychecks. I, I, I understand that. And quite frankly, I have a whole opinion on that would take another hour. But uh, as far as, you know, masculine men showing up in the world, that that is where we actually honor women better, honor children better and provide better. And it's it's under attack to be masculine. And it, it's such bullshit because we are needed desperately. That's right. That's right. You know, and you know what? What happens if there's a war and we take all the maleness, as you said, and send them to war? So they're going to be no crushed. Way. Exactly. Communist China, right now, is outlawed. Um, effeminate men in tv shows and movies they are emphasizing manly education for yeah. their young boys and you know there are those that say that part of the division in western culture is being funded by the dirty tricks operations of communist china and formerly communist russia <laughs> because those folks are laughing their asses off and how we're fighting each other. Yeah. It's good old I'm Julius Caesar's divide and rule. And when you have people in a society arguing about whether masculinity is a good thing, you're not united yeah. fighting the enemy. So in 9-11, the West was united around the idea of we're coming together to defeat this enemy. Ever since then, we've been divided and fighting amongst ourselves. And that, my friends, is what we as a society, we as the way of the light need to understand sooner rather than later, is that it's all about uniting around men are great, 
women are great. Masculinity is awesome. Femininity is awesome. And the sooner we get that, better off we're all going to be. And no more of this division crap. You know, we can argue about the, the margins and the periphery of the type of world and society we want to live in. But those that are fundamentally attacking the very foundations, the way of life that we have built here in the West, they're not our friends. They're paid agents of, of, of the other side. And we need to understand that sooner rather than later, in my opinion. Well, and, you know, it's funny that we were just talking a few minutes ago about listening to understand what I see going on in the world right now is no one is listening. Everyone has a fucking opinion and they want it heard, but nobody's listening to what is needed. Amen, brother. Amen. And hey, on that note, we're going to wrap up. So, Steve. How do folks get in touch with you if they're interested in working with you and finding out more about the great work that you do? What's your website? What's your socials? Uh, okay, so it's the relationshipworkout.com or steverichmond.ca. Either way, get you to the website. You can uh, email me at steve at steverichmond.ca or I've got Instagram page you can jump on or the website. And uh, let me know what your issues is. I work with men and women. I work with couples. Um, and I don't give advice. I let you figure out your own things, but I'm, I work very intuitively and listen to what's going on. Well, just full disclosure, I worked with you for a year. And when I came to see you, I had uh, a lot of issues with uh, a former business partner in my current relationship. And frankly, I, I had a lot of anger toward the world. Um, don't have those issues with uh, my former business partner. Don't have those issues with uh, my lady. In fact, we had our first fight in six months on Friday. We posted how the heck did that happen? So, all right, call me after the call. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was the first You're fight in six already. months, which is pretty darn great. Like, because we used to have like five of them a week. And yeah. My business this year has exploded and I'm, I'm not going to give you all the credit for it, but you deserve a big part of the credit for helping me okay, get there I'll take it. because, because of the work that I did with you, I started to understand what it meant to be a, a masculine man. And, and I started to be less angry at myself in the world. And I'll tell you that has helped me attract business more and has helped me. Mm -hmm allow myself to be helped by other people. So full disclosure, listener, Steve's a great coach. If you're having relationship issues, highly recommend that you have a conversation with this man, check out his website, check out his socials. He's a good man. And I'm a big fan. Yeah, We're sure definitely going to have you back on. Thanks so much for coming cool. today, sharing your wisdom with us. And, you know, I look at you as one of my brothers in the battle to make men masculine again. So. Oh, I thank should you for add walking our relationship workout is about the relationship first and foremost with self. Then we worry about the relationship. All with relationships pain, begin with self. I think that's, <laughs> exactly. that's something that's something that could be a whole other topic for another one to two hour. Oh, podcast. big time. Yeah. Big time. And a lot of the subject of my book. <laughs> awesome. 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 Well, when your book's ready to be published, call me. We'll have you back on. Let's discuss in the big way. I'm, oh, I'm oh. looking forward to reading it. 
All right. That's a wrap. Take care, bro. Good stuff, my man. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.